You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 20, brought to you by Kickstarter backer Kate Testerman. It wasn't as easy, Calliope realized, as it sounded. She'd taken the bullet just about halfway between her breastbone and the point of her right shoulder. The exit wound was clean, and nothing major had been destroyed, but it was still a bullet that she had taken at close range less than 24 hours ago. It would be months, if ever, before she completely recovered. Her right arm was immobilized, and someone, Vicus, obviously, had pulled a t-shirt on over the whole mess, something she was profoundly glad she hadn't been awake for. She was wearing a pair of jeans, unfastened. When she checked the floor for socks and shoes, the room tilted, and suddenly, Vicus was standing next to her, looking tense. Calliope managed to smile. Need a little help, I think. Vicus nodded, had her sit down on the edge of the bed, and got to work. It took several minutes, during which Calliope had to tell the cops they were coming out, but had to get some clothes on first. It hurt to shout. Vicus arranged her leather coat around her as best as possible and stuffed a sweater down the front before zipping it up. He looked around the room, nodded to himself, and extended his hand to Calliope, who took it and stood. The room tried to tip again, but she was prepared this time and got herself under control after a few seconds. She nodded, and they moved for the door. When we get out there, raise your hand and don't say anything. Don't be threatening. I'll do what needs doing. Calliope eyed him. You're not going to try anything stupid, are you? I don't want to get shot again. Vicus grinned in a thoroughly unsettling fashion. We'll see. He pulled open the door, moved Calliope into the open, and turned to pull the door closed. Put your hands in the air. Calliope raised the arm she could and squinted into the afternoon sunlight. Unlike the movies, the police hadn't done anything stupid like parking their vehicles in a perfect half-circle around the door. The closest uniform was down at the corner of the building. He had a rifle trained on her and was peering down the barrel from within a very solid-looking riot helmet. As far as she could see, no one else was within 30 yards. The other cops were using cover to their best advantage, blocking exits from the area but in no way putting themselves in danger. The guy calling out orders was all the way across the parking lot and hunkered down behind a vehicle. Calliope thought Detective Johnson would have been impressed with the setup. Speaking of setup, Walker stood right next to the detective using the vehicle-mounted amplifier. Behind Calliope, Vicus was doing something with the door. Turn away from from the the door, door, drop drop your your possessions, possessions, and and put put your your hands in the air. I think they're talking to you, Calliope muttered out of the side of her mouth. Sorry, officer, she called out, noting with something between amusement and scorn that several of the cops twitched at the sound of her voice. Some jack-off shot me yesterday. I've only got the one arm to raise. She moved enough to make her empty right coat sleeve sway to illustrate wincing as she did so. 
Move to the ground. Officers are moving in. There was a flurry of motion and raised voices behind the vehicle, barely audible from across the parking lot. Then the bullhorn clicked again. Step away from the door or we will fire. Calliope heard the jingle of a key behind her and Vicus gasping for breath. What are you doing? She turned halfway around. They're going to shoot us. She could hear boots scuffing on the pavement as pairs of police clad in full riot gear began to move in. I don't know, Vicus said, grinning at the door latch as he rotated the old motel key. Sweat poured down his face. It's kind of liberating to know you've already died once. Calliope tried to grin back. That's great for you, but I haven't. His black eyes, bright in the afternoon light, turned to Calliope and the grin stretched further. Hang on, I want to try something. He snaked an arm low around Calliope's waist and swung her into his arms like a parent with a sleepy child, then kicked open the motel door and stepped back into the room they had just left. Calliope just had time to realize that there wasn't anything where the room should have been before Vicus stepped over the threshold. The sounds of shouting policemen, all sound, in fact, cut off as the door snicked shut behind them and vanished. Vicus stood on nothing, cradling Calliope in his arms. His breath came in gasps and sweat poured down his face. What? Calliope began. Shut up. Vicus's jaw worked. Concentrate. He was wiped out just opening the motel door last time. Calliope glanced around the smeared, bruise color of the nothing that surrounded them. How can he do this? She tried very hard not to think of the obvious answer. Vicus trembled, vibrating with the effort to do nothing but hold still. After a timeless moment, his right foot moved, dragging across the non-space as though pulling a weight. Calliope's chest was burning before she realized she was holding her breath. Her gasp was a ragged sound in the silence that matched Vicus's own. His eyes were lifeless, like a doll's, in a way she had never seen. Planting his foot, he began to turn, his body still trembling. Come on, Calliope whispered, clutching at the front of his coat with her left hand. Her one useful arm was trapped between her body and Vicus's heaving chest. You can do it, she said, unsure what she was urging him toward. Vicus halted. Again there was a pause, measured in years, and then he moved his foot. Racing ahead of conscious thought, Calliope's urging melted into a wordless sing-song. From there the sounds slid into a simple tune. Nursery rhyme words she had known since she was a child. Nonsense that she didn't even hear. The point was the urging. The sound. The direction. Calliope sang her strength into Vicus, willing him forward. Vicus continued moving. To Calliope, nonsense words still trailing off her lips like water, it seemed they had turned about halfway around when Vicus raised the hand under the crook of her knees, extending the key out and in front of them. Calliope's eyes locked onto the key. 
Her words, meaningless and tumbling, pushed at the hand and key until they seemed to meet something within the nothing. She blinked and saw a door. She turned to Vicus and saw a strange motel room over his shoulder. Got it, he said. For a moment, Calliope thought he would drop her out of exhaustion and tensed in anticipation, but still moving with a trembling, glacial strength, he sank to his knees and set her on the old, worn carpet in front of the door as she whisper-sang to him. His eyes, glistening, met hers. He nodded, and a small smile moved his lips as Calliope pushed herself into a sitting position. Then he dropped backward like a dead thing, utterly still. Son of a bitch, no, 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 not again. Calliope pushed herself onto her knees and shuffled over the carpet. Don't you die on me, damn it. She lurched alongside him. I'm not doing mouth to mouth and I don't know where your heart is or if you've got one or two or three or... She held her hand over his open mouth, angry that she was trembling and unable to stop it. Come on now, I don't know where we are. I don't know where we're going. Please don't die. She rocked on her knees as she held her hand over him, tears shining on her face. Please, 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 oh you son of a bitch, please do something, please. His chest moved. Breath puffed, weak and warm, against her hand. Air burst from Calliope in a sob that turned into a disbelieving, choked laugh. Another breath. Another. Calliope held her hand in place. That's right, she whispered. You, you just keep doing that. She drew a shuddering breath, her lips trembling. I'll wait. In the darkness of an empty motel room, Calliope Jenkins sat on her knees next to the clown-faced man lying on the floor, singing lullabies she hadn't known she remembered, holding her hand over his face to feel him breathe. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things.